Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Well, hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where some content creators come together and let you know what we've been playing recently. And this week is a pretty short week, you know, because it's summer holidays and everything, and uh, so we got a short show for you. And on this episode are The Meeple Dungeon. Meeple and the Moose, the Bridge City Board Gamers Community, and Cardboard Conjecture. And, I always say it, please take the time and check out the show notes to the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast, and enjoy! Hello everybody, it's Robin and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Or, I guess, just Anna Marie here from the Maple Dungeon today. And we're here uh, recording again for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And today, I'm going to be talking about Anomia. Now, this game uh, designed by Andrew Innes and published by Everest Toys and Anomia Press. Now, I know this game has been spoken about before on here, but I just, we just picked it up and we've been playing it quite a bit. And I just, you know, it's, it's fun, and that's what we've been playing. This game, if you haven't heard the episode about it, it is, it's just a card game, um, but not really a card game. It's just played with cards. Um, you have two decks of cards, and on each card, there's going to be a symbol in the middle, and then a word on the bottom and top. It's the same word, it's just flipped upside down and right side up, so you can see it wherever you're sitting. So for example, you could have the symbol being like a gold hollow circle or a pink pause sign or a green plus sign or, you know, a golden star. And so they've got the, um, they've got all the different shapes. So the colors don't matter. So if, you know, somebody's colorblind, they can still see, um, they can still play the game without, um, without needing the colors. But the colors also do kind of add an element of brain fatigue in this game. So it's this is like a party type game where uh, you have you take one of the decks of cards and you split it into two and you put it in the in the middle of the table and one by one the people around the table will start flipping a card. And so let's say I flip a card and it's uh, I got a pink pause sign on it and it says video game. And then the next person will flip a card and let's say they've got, you know, the green plus sign and it says superhero. And then the next person flips a gold star and it says T. So far, nothing's happened. You just keep flipping. You're all on edge the whole time. Um, But let's just say somebody, the next person flips over. It's a four player game. Let's say it's four player. The fourth player flips over a card that has the pink pause sign. If you recall, that's what I had. Um, And it says sitcom. So now myself 
and the other player who have both have the pink pause signs have to look at each other's card. Now I have the card that says video game. So the, the fourth player is going to be looking at me and they're going to be trying to name a video game before I, looking at their card, um, try, before I name a sitcom. And so whoever names it correctly first, they get their opponent's card. Just face it, um, flip it face down in front of you. And whoever collects the most cards by the end of the, the game, but when the cards, when the decks run out, then that person's the winner. It is not that simple. This is a tough game. It Your brain, things that you could know, I could look right now and probably list you off 10 sitcoms without even thinking about it. But in the heat of that moment, ah, 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 trying to say like Seinfeld wouldn't come out of my mouth. So it brings that just element of, yeah, brain fog and chaos and it like your brain stresses out, but in a fun way, because you can't believe how your brain can't, your mouth can't spit out what your brain is thinking or how your brain can't think of that word that is so obvious. Um, a musical instrument, a, a flute, like you can't, you can't get it out. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun seeing the different uh, the different people. And it's great because you can always think of things when it's not your turn, obviously. Um, but along with this, there are also wild cards. And so the wild cards will have two of the symbols on them. And when that, when the wild card comes up, you put it in between the two decks and it just sits there until um, anybody with those two cards, those two symbols, they come up, they have to go. And then once they, um, and then you go and then that, um, that wild card stays there until the next wild card comes up. So you're always looking for those symbols. And then once somebody has completed a match, so let's say with, you know, my pink pause sign and the other pink pause sign with the video game and the sitcom, let's say the other person got the video game, cause let's be real, I'm not going to be getting it. So they get my card. So when they take my video game card, then um, it will reveal, if it wasn't my first card played, it will reveal the next card in my deck. So now that card is in play. So then you have to see if that card matches any of the other symbols at the table. And if it does, then I have another brain battle with that person. And, and then if I get their card by some miracle, then we look at what card they have underneath on their deck and like the next card in their deck. And then they have a brain, they potentially have a brain battle with someone else. So it's interesting when you, when you have a wild card up and then somebody gets, uh, gets something because then it can, it cannot just trigger the, your main card, but it'll also start to trigger some of those wild cards. And then you're, you're going and going and half the time, like I didn't even realize with the wild cards and there was one person at the table who's played before and was just like, so you guys going to go for the next one? I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, oh. And then the chaos begins again. Um, but um, yeah, this game, it's, I, I believe they have a ton of different versions of this game. Um, we just have the, the base version and craziness. And it's funny, we made up, we made up some base rules just uh, playing with the same deck. They recommend you play two games with it, like with each each deck, like at a sitting. And I feel like this is a good advice because you 
you're seeing the same cards, even though your recall isn't coming, then then you actually it, it you could go either way because then you start getting into all you can think of is the answer the last person said. So we house ruled that you can't say anything like th- anything that was said before for that card. You can't use that word. So then you're stuck trying to think of, you know, a celebrity that's not Justin Bieber that, <laughs> you know, you, you said for three different answers um, because it worked. So we uh, we actually had somebody try to say for a website, justinbieber.com, which was promptly checked, fact checked, and it is not a website. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we house ruled a few things, which kind of made it fun. So we didn't just end up repeating ourselves. Um, but they do have two decks, which is awesome. So you can flip the decks, um, use one, then the other. You could probably intermix some of them too. Just take some of the cards with one, some with the other. Um, but yeah, I can see why they've made a ton of different versions of this. And they also have, uh, they've got the age as 10 and up on here. Which, yeah, for difficulty's sake, like, th- the game is easy enough to understand. But if... You know, actually, now that I'm in the middle of saying it, kids' brains are different. My kids would probably slay me at this. They probably wouldn't have that stress of thinking of it and just come up with it. Okay, that's a theory I'm going to have to test out because I haven't played this with them yet. (laughs) But I'll let you know how that goes. But they have, I believe, um, like kids-themed ones and a whole bunch of different themed ones. Um, But but yeah, that's Anomia. And what a fun game. It's another one of those like fun... uh, game in a little box. But uh, yeah, very good. That is Anomia. That takes us to our time today. So uh, thanks again for listening. This is, well, Anna Marie, but Robin Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Meeple Dungeon. Um, our podcast, The Meeple Dungeon, on all the major, uh, major podcasting sites, YouTube, um, The Meeple Dungeon. And yeah, that's where we're at. Have a good week, everyone. See ya. Hello, my name is Alex, and I write board game reviews over at meeplemoose.com, and I'm here to talk about the games I played this week for what you've been playing Wednesday. With 25% of our game group still on their honeymoon, we chose to continue our adventures in Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth, published by Fantasy Flight Games. I talked about this game last week, detailing the first adventure in the Shadows Path expansion, so if you missed out last week, make sure you give that episode a listen. Our night started with a social map. Several character tokens and several exploration tokens were scattered around, and the heroes were tasked with gathering information before approaching Theandril and offering our assistance to his cause. Choosing who should talk to who felt random and arbitrary. There were snippets of meaningless fluff interspersed between the characters we actually did need to talk to in order to gain the necessary talking points, didn't feel particularly engaging. We tested our skills as necessary, didn't fail a single time, and even had Legolas treat with his father. It's kind of disappointing that we spent 40 minutes following red herrings or nothing but lore points and and to continue the story that really could have just been a paragraph of text. The next mission was a battle map. A river cut through the terrain and four enemies stood on cliffs over us. We rushed forward to close the distance and repaired the bridge. On almost every tile there was a spiderweb that we needed to investigate. In addition to investigating, in order to move away from the space containing a spiderweb, we needed to test our strength. Should we fail to get a single success, we would forfeit our move action. 
While this barely slowed us down, it did make scouting almost useless. In Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth, at the beginning of every round, players can scout where they draw a number of cards and prepare one skill while returning the other cards to either the top or bottom of their own deck. This allows you to know that you'll at least have one success when you attempt to do something like strike an enemy, or you can bury bad cards to the bottom of your deck and have a better chance of getting successes. These webs stole that feature from us, but in the end it didn't really matter. We searched every spider web on the map to end the mission before the game timer was even half finished. Playing these two missions back to back was fine. I'm glad the social map wasn't our only play of the night as that would have been downright disappointing. I generally enjoy the battle heavy scenarios as it always feels good to slay monsters, but having successes sucked out of your deck just to move around the map was mildly frustrating. Arwen ended up taking a single corruption to force a success that would have that may have been unnecessary, but the ramifications for taking these corruptions has yet to reveal itself. Also, as far as we know, there's no way to remove these corruption markers, so perhaps their use will reveal itself soon. Over the weekend, I broke out some dexterity games with some friends. First up was good old Crokinole, this time with four players playing in teams of two. I really just delight in seeing how different people approach this wonderful game. I really enjoyed playing in teams because sometimes when you're just playing one-on-one, -on -one, you and your opponent can get stuck in a situation where neither of you have a good shot on the other player's pucks. By having a teammate sitting across a table at you, it alleviates that problem. A puck that would hide behind a peg and re would require a very narrow shot is in plain view of my teammate. Of course, this also means that you have nowhere to hide. After Crokinole, a Jenga tower was erected. Now, if you've never played Jenga before, it's the dexterity game that induces the most anxiety in me. In the center of the table is a tower consisting of stacks of blocks in a 3x3 crisscross pattern. The goal of the game is to poke out a block and then place that block on top of the tower until someone ends up sending the whole tower crashing to the floor. I don't know what it is about Jenga that causes me to flinch every time someone so much as pokes a block, but it's not a good anxiety for me. For some reason, it's a favorite choice of my wife, so I really should bring it out more often. To wrap up the night, we played Tokyo Highway, published by Im. In Tokyo Highway, everyone is constructing their own highway, zigzagging around buildings and weaving over and under other roads. For every road that you cross over or under, you get a point, which is represented by a little car that you have to place on your road. The first player to get 10 points is the winner. Mechanically, each player has a bunch of little popsicle sticks and cylinders, and you just take turns placing a stack of cylinders somewhere on the table, and then place a pop popsicle stick connecting two, connecting two of your stacks together. You cannot merge with your opponent's highways, making it easy to know whose road belongs to whom. I really enjoy Tokyo Highway, but it ends up dragging at four players, with huge gaps of time in between your turns. And while there are rules for rebuilding the city if someone knocks it over, it's just not fun to bring the game to a screeching halt as you watch the person who failed try and rebuild everyone's works. We usually just scrap the city and start again if significant damage has been wrought. If you're interested in hearing more or seeing the pictures of what Tokyo Highway looks like, you can find a full review on my blog, meepleinthemoose.com. And that's all I played this week. I did get my copy of Bullet Heart in the mail today, so I'm hoping I'll find time to get that game played soon. Unfortunately, I'm camping this weekend, so that just might not happen. Until next time, have a happy Wednesday.
Hey there, it's Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bird City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And it's summertime and a lot of people are gone to the lake or taking holidays. And uh, so this, we have a small show for you today, but it's going to be a good show too. So... As always, let's get to the community page and see what the Bridge City Board Gamers community have been playing. And uh, Hans, I'll let you, we'll put some money on the first one that's on there. It is Terraforming Mars. Uh, Air, Land, and Sea, Fields of Arl, Navigador, Underwater Cities, West Kingdom, Tomasaga. Uh, Tom I was going to say Tomasaga. Wow, that's too many syllable stresses. Uh, Ultimate Railroads, founders of Teotihuacan. I, I think I said that properly. Um, uh, yeah, Fields of Arl. I have not played that. That's a Uwe Rosenberg. And I'm guessing it's agriculture because, you know, fields. <laughs> and he's known for that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've not played that one. I have Ora et Labora or Ora et Labor. And uh, that one, uh, I haven't played that monk uh, making wine games. So, uh, Navigador, I have it sitting on my shelf. I played it like years ago and it's, um, it's Matt Gertz, I believe the uh, Concordia dude. And, uh, this one is, that one's really cool as well. It's a kind of a, a Rondell system, of course. Um, underwater cities of the terraforming Mars and underwater cities. Uh, that's my preference. I like underwater cities, but I'm a big fan of the designer. Uh, I've never played West Kingdom Tome Saga, um, Ultimate Railroads. I've played Russian Railroads uh, and really enjoyed it because uh, it's a Euro game with a lot of tracks and tracks if you get the double entendre. Um, and Founders, no, never played it, but I hear it's, I hear it's cool. Um, Eli, I've actually been able to get a couple of games of Marble Champions in with uh, Ironheart and Nova. I've not played those decks yet. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about them, but they are cool characters. Uh, and, and you know what? Nova, I don't know why Nova hasn't popped up in the MCU, right? Uh, cool, cool character. Maybe in the, in, in the, in the Spider-Man, if, uh, if they're going to continue that. Huh? Uh, Ryan uh, played a few games of Marvel Dice Throne and really enjoyed it. Also played Ni no Kuni 2, the board game. Right on! Uh, Marvel Dice Throne, the, uh, the the Dice Throne series is so cool, and uh, you know anybody can play it if you're if you're familiar with Yahtzee because that's pretty much the mechanism. And you have a for each character you have a tableau, and the the Yahtzee, you know uh, you know the straights, the large straights, small straights, all those combos, full house, those are uh, powers that you get to fire off or roll towards. And it's basically toe-to-toe versus versus. And it is so much fun. Uh, Scott, late week for me, played Bot Factory on Tabletopia on Saturday. And yesterday we finished the game of Burn Cycle. We started on uh, Tabletop Simulator two weeks ago. No D&D. Sad face. Of course, sad face. I've got D&D tonight. I'm fired up. Tome of Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to get annihilated tonight. But back to this, Burn Cycle. I've seen Burn Cycle a lot in social media. Uh, I think it's like, uh, I mean, without doing any homework, it's got some, you know, hype to it. Uh, but it is, you know, 
con season, so everything's got some hype to it. Lane. Lane played tapestry. I keep thinking of uh, Indiana Jones. I'm here to see the tapestries. Uh, Nid Valier. Cool. Onk. I've not played Onk, and I, you know, that's that whole Eric Lang minis thing, and uh, sometimes I'm interested. Bacon Wars. <laughs> that's the next. No, that was that was a sort of like a food Tourette's thing. That was just the title, Bacon Wars. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I got, I got nothing to say. <laughs> Gloomhaven. I've got lots to say about Gloomhaven. It's so awesome. I keep feeling guilty every time I see it. Uh, it's just, you know, staring at me going, come on, finish. Uh, Marvel Champions. You could jump in and out of Marvel Champions anytime. Fantastic. And Rivals. I, I don't know what Rivals is at all. So that looks like a great lineup. Travis. Travis got some stuff going on here. So here, a little sip. Here we go. Thank you. Haven't posted in a few weeks. New games for me are Arc Nova and Anachrony. Arc Nova's so good. Uh, Anachrony, I've not played it, but I understand it's so good as well. I uh, really enjoyed Arc Nova. Would love to give it another play. Seems like it might get stale after 10-ish plays, but remains to be seen. Anachrony was just a meh for me. The theme is intriguing, but just seems like a weak Euro. This may not be a popular opinion. Ooh, I hear a lot of people... You kind of got that look on their, that, basically that snap to their head. Say what? Uh, other games I played were Stone Age, Viticulture, Seven Wonders, and Gaia Project. Probably my favorite game. I've played Gaia Project. It's great. Yeah. I think I like that one over. Yeah, I'm not going to say it because, you know, you've already caused some trouble here with that whole don't like an acrony thing. Uh, I don't want to add to it. But yeah, those are great games. Great games. Uh, Matt, Matt, Matt put a little image here. There we go. Played Palace like five times. Cockroach Poker. Love Cockroach Poker. Tell me you can't giggle while playing that game. Deception Murder in Hong Kong. That's pretty cool. That's one of those kind of identify certain individuals through the whole kind of, uh, hidden identity kind of things. 99. No, I've got Luftbanudens in the head now. Um, uh, Ark Nova, yeah. Uh, Bosok, no. Cash and Guns, second edition. I've not played it. That game doesn't even interest me so much so. Um, just, yeah, um, for the theme. The theme, yeah, freaks me out. Uh, Caro, no, I've not understood that one. Skittle Poker and Suro. I know Suro. Wow, there's a few on that list that I'm just blanking on. I can't even... Can't even, you know, mush up a, a shtick on anything there. So I'm sorry about that, eh? Uh, Ash, cribbage on my fancy crib board and quirkle. Oh, cribbage is fantastic old school. 15-2, Yeah, for me, it's like uh, two. I got two. There we go. I got a pair for two. Uh, big hand for me. Big hand. Uh, yeah, cribbage is so good. Quirkle, I've not played Quirkle. That's that uh, kind of domino-esque connect things. Um, it looks cool. Uh, Brian, well, if we're going to fish off with Brian. Role player adventures, nice. I want to play that. I got role player sitting behind me. Haven't touched it in a long time. Debating if it's got to go or if it's going to stay. Uh, I should do a got to go, got to stay kind of thing. Uh, wingspan, 
Yeah, that's a gotta stay. That's a fantastic game. Too Many Bones, never played it. Uh, chip Theory games. And uh, it, to, Too Many Bones, is an, it's, it's an expensive game to jump into. So you got to be into that whole system and uh, theme that they're, that they're handing off there. Maglev Metro. I've heard people who don't like pickup and delivery actually like this game. So uh, cool. And I've not played it and it intrigues me just for that simple fact. I love pickup and delivery. So to me, that says that this game take, has a unique take on it, which interest, interests me a lot. So there you go. That's what the uh, Bridge City Board Gamers community has been playing lately. Well, it's my turn. And uh, so what you, what you been playing lately, Norm? And uh, lately... Uh, two games. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is from the Gamer's Garage. And uh, it was Adam's pick on this one. And it was a game, I think it was uh, it was uh, Rob who talked about it just recently on our uh, top five below BGG 2000, which was, oh, I would, I would recommend you give that a try because that was such an interesting exploration. So, uh, I'm talking about, get to the game, LePage, um, Cosmic Frog, uh, designed by Jim Feli and published by Devious Weasel Games. And uh, first things first, this cover is absolute Salvador Dali psychedelia meets Andy Warhol, uh, and a throw in a little bit of uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And you've got the cover of this thing. Wow. And a little Sergeant Peppers. You know, you might want to sprinkle a little of that in there. And uh, yeah, the, the, the cover um, definitely sets you up for what's inside. Because yeah, this game's an interesting trip. That's for sure. Um, uh, it, uh, it's like a two to six player game. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to just kind of roll out some of this stuff. It's, uh, there's some dice rolling. There's some uh, uh, um, the tile moving, right? There's like a, basically it's kind of this area control, go get the resources, uh, kind of take that-esque game. And it's kind of a race to push. There's three tracks and it's kind of a race to push. I think it's two tracks. And once they hit the top, game over kind of thing. And, uh, or if the, if, uh, the timer is, uh, when certain areas of the map explode, it reveals, uh, certain special tiles that are the, the track of, uh, of pushing the game counter as well. And, uh, yeah, you're a, a lot, a lot of a, um, asymmetric powers in the players, um, uh, very interesting, yeah, very interesting game. I was, I was, um, it, but, I mean, I had an interesting time, I'll say that. I'm not taken by the game, but I'm not put off by the game either because uh, it, it has a lot of crazy, it's, it has a lot of chaos going on. And uh, it's, it's a matter of understanding that chaos to be able to go, oh, there you go. Now I know you can't handle a tornado. You could just dodge it, right? And that's kind of what this game's about because there's just chaos going all over the place. And uh, if you're an individual who likes to like Excel spreadsheet, long-term plan your tech tree, this is not that game. 
<laughs> no way. No way is this that game. Uh, this game is like there's certain points where all of a sudden the map tiles will move and you'll find yourself on the other side of the universe <laughs> away from the objective that you're trying to pursue. And uh, so well, that's what I mean. I'm giggling about it because it's so chaotic. And uh, yeah. So but if any of that uh, um, kind of makes your brain go, oh, yeah, I would say try it. Right. Uh, if you if you got a chance. Um yeah, so that's Cosmic Frog. Cosmic Frog, um, designed by Jim Felly and uh, published by Devious Weasel Games. And the publishing title certainly fits the experience. Uh, next up is, uh, uh, I think I'm on my eighth game in the uh, chapter of Expedition to Newdale by Alexander Pfister and published by Lookout Games. And this is uh, the... Um, basically the Oh My Goods card game and all of the expansions and so on and so forth. And I think Tybor the Builder or Tibor or whatever. Uh, it's that card game put into a board game and, and put into a chapter series. Um, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm on game five. Yeah, I'm on game five of eight chapters. And I mean, right there says, has has substance right there uh i i I keep wanting to pursue it because it's that you know that um scaffolded uh uh you know that ratcheting up the 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 abilities and the powers and also your ability to scheme through the game system not scheme through but navigate through the game system to help connect the dots because this is a card driven game and it's all about building buildings and, uh, um, and you know, accumulating resources and hitting objectives. It's, yeah, Fister. Uh, and it's heavily based on the narrative of this story um, that is uh, um, the Oh My Goods kind of uh, uh, story. In, in so much as the story gives you a thematic... Uh, background to the Euro game that is going on in front of you. And uh, don't, you know, don't, you know, don't think that I didn't appreciate, I played five games plus. Okay, not just five games. There's a, a, to advance the chapters, sometimes there was a couple chapters I'd play three times before I could hit that target and, and uh, threshold into the next chapter. So uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely put down a, a a review after I get through this whole thing because that would for me that would be a sense of accomplishment like finishing a legacy game it's like oh, I made it to the end Tour de France <laughs> it's the Tour de France of board games for me so yeah uh, um, Expedition to Newdale by Alexander Fister and Lookout Games and I'm having fun I'm having so much fun right now uh, with this beautiful card driven system and if you liked how the cards worked in Boone Lake and Maracaibo this is kind of where you'll get that uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, area where he th plays around with that, that card dynamic, right? The proof of concept to the, that card system. So, um, yeah, I'm having fun. Like it. Uh, so, yeah, we're at that point now. It's a short show, but it's packed full of goodness. And uh, speaking of that, thank you so much for listening. 
And uh, thank you always, always, always to the content creators who take the time to uh, put down some thoughts and uh, let us know what's going on in their board gaming hobby. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?